Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. I think that anyone that lives or works in New York City knows very well that homelessness is a, is a big issue in the city. Today, we're going to discuss this topic with Anya Dugan, who is the president and CEO of the Partnership for the Homeless. She has more than two decades of expertise in nonprofit management, organizational development, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. She was previously a vice president at the Food Bank for New York City and served on FEMA's Emergency Food and Shelter Board. Earlier in her career, Anya's work at the Coalition for the Homeless challenged stereotypes, resulting in campaigns calling for housing policies and initiatives to address disproportionate levels of poverty and homelessness among women and children. Anya is a graduate of University College of Dublin, is an adjunct professor at Hunter College, where she has taught in the MSW and graduate social research programs. It's great to have you, Anya. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much, Josh. Nice to be talking to you. Likewise. I have to say, I feel terrible seeing a lot of homeless on the streets, and, and particularly when I see homeless people that, that seem to have you know, mental challenges. But let's just talk about the Partnership for the Homelessness in terms of what your organization's mission is. Sure. So, I mean, the partnership has been around for um, almost 40 years at this point, working with homelessness sort of on, on a number of different levels. I would say we're primarily driven by prevention. You know, the, the experience we've had over these four decades has shown us that it is a preventable problem. Mm. Um, and not only that, but that it's actually more cost effective to prevent it. So it's more humanitarian and cost effective. And our programming is very much focused on housing, you know, rental assistance, mediation with property owners and so on. We also provide health programming making sure that people have access to counseling, support groups, and uh, and then ensuring that children have access to education is, is another piece of the work. And then conversations like this, right? So we're, yeah. we're also about helping people to understand what is homelessness actually about? You know, who's hurt by it? And, and what does it take to solve it? Interesting. You know, I was talking with my editors because so many people live paycheck to paycheck. You know, and I brought up the, the mental illness issue, but it goes far beyond that. I mean, I think there's many people that are impacted by homelessness that just hit a rough patch in their lives or have uh, difficulty paying bills, especially in this environment now where people, you know, really live paycheck to paycheck and costs are going up. I mean, basic costs of living are really going up dramatically in our city. So maybe you can give a little bit of, of um, perspective about the, the, the range of people experience experiencing homelessness and you know and really put that in a clearer vision for us sure so i think where you started actually is probably the entry point for most people right we see somebody on the street we see somebody on the subway and that very much sort of gives us what the picture of homelessness is in new york what is interesting for most people is the sort of realization that street homelessness really accounts for less than 10% of the overall issue of homelessness in New York. So, you know, you're only you're only talking about one in 10 of the people who will experience homelessness. Now, it is a it is a big issue and and there is a more humanitarian solution to street homelessness than we're currently seeing. As you pointed out, people do need access to mental health care. We do need more mental health outreach workers to engage with people. And we need safe housing options, right? We need a way of helping people to sort of escape the streets and get into safe, affordable housing, not shelter, which is really sort of the only viable option at the moment. And so that's that's one issue. But then in terms of the majority of people who are experiencing homelessness, 
what you're really looking at there are families, right? So if you look at the shelter system today, right, 45, almost 45,000 people slept in shelter last night in New York City. Um, Of that number, one in three of them are children. So 15,000 kids bedding down in shelter last night and will bed down in shelter again tonight. Um, But if you really want to get sort of what is the average age, you know, what is the picture of homelessness in New York? And what you're talking in months, not years, it's it's an infant. An infant is the most likely person to experience homelessness in New York. And then the other the other issue with it is, is that it's not random in terms of who's impacted and who's hurt. It is primarily women of color and their children. Um, so if you look at the shelter system, upwards of 90% of people in shelters uh, identify as people of color. And in the family shelter system, more than 90% are women-headed households. So it is very much that intersection of, of gender and race. Um, and, you know, we can see this, right? We can see this with other forms of discrimination in our society and in our housing policy over many decades. So it's not a surprise to us. But why that issue, that number matters on its own, that picture matters on its own. But where it really matters is when you realize that preventing homelessness comes at, at a lower dollar amount than allowing people to end up inside and shelter. And so then we just really have to question as a society, so why do we do this? Why, do we, why are we prepared to pay for shelter, but we're not prepared to pay to help people retain their homes? So how do we start with that process of bringing an end to homelessness in the way that you're describing it would be to help them with their homes? I mean, what, what do you think could be done most effectively or done better to help that? You know, we've sort of narrowed it down to like what, what drives homelessness in the city. And it's really looking at, it's women and children of color bearing the brunt of domestic violence, overcrowding and evictions in a city that, you know, has a deficit of affordable and safe housing options. That's really what homelessness is all about. And so in our work, what we have found is that if we are prepared to you know, provide rental assistance when somebody is in arrears, negotiate with property owners, you know, do mediation, uh, make sure that people have access to legal assistance if they do end up in housing court, then those measures can help you know, a family retain their home and avoid going into shelter altogether. So that's one aspect of it. And then the second aspect of it is we need a city to invest in housing. Right. And we need the state to invest in housing and the federal government. So it's it's about investing in affordable and supportive housing so that we're safeguarding the city's stock of affordable homes for all New Yorkers. I mean, our vision is that this would be a city where there's a guarantee of safe, affordable housing for all of its residents. And then it's just a matter of the sort of the steps that get us there, you know, in looking at the cost, you know, we find in our own conversations with people, whether it's a member of the general public or the media or an elected official, that once you sort of illustrate the cost difference, um, it's really eye-opening. The average family coming to us for assistance will have about, at the moment, maybe 4,000 in arrears. Now, it used to be less than that before COVID. COVID has certainly set a lot of families further back than they were. But, you know, 4,000, let's say, is the average that, that, that people need in assistance. The cost of shelter for that same family for a year is almost 70,000. So there's just no comparison. And in fact, even if you were to pay rent for that same family for a year, right, in contrast, you wouldn't be looking at more than somewhere in the ballpark of 20 to 25,000. Again, you know, like approximately a third of the cost of, of providing shelter. And so that's really where the conversation needs to be. If, if paying rent and 
we've never had a family who's, you know, who, who's required us to pay rent for a year. But if paying rent for a family is less than the cost of shelter, then why aren't we paying rent instead of shelter costs? So why do you think that is? What has been the obstacle to potentially setting up even uh, transitional housing versus shelters? What's the biggest challenge to that? You know, I think we've, we've sort of somewhat gotten stuck in a system, as we do, right? All systems, you know, um, all various different aspects of society. So we do have a right to shelter in New York. And the right to shelter has, without a single doubt, saved thousands of New Yorkers' lives. Because it's the difference between somebody being left on the street and having access to, a, you know, a safe, warm place to sleep for the night. The problem is that we have put too much of a burden on that right to shelter. We've, we are expecting shelter to be the whole solution. And what we really need is a guarantee of safe, affordable housing. So it's a matter of broadening the lens in terms of determining city policy, state, state policy and so on, that it becomes a much more robust and broader vision of what does it take to provide housing? And again, there's two sides to it. It's safeguarding people in their existing homes and making money available for that. But it's that piece won't work on its own unless we're also investing in the development of affordable housing and making it, you know, making it attractive for housing developers, you know, to provide affordable housing in the city. In other words, we need mixed housing stock in the city, right? We, it, it can't all be um, expensive housing. It can't all be low income housing. We need mixed housing stock in the city so that everybody can live here. Talk a little bit more about the housing for shelters is because, you know, a lot of people probably visualize, you know, a church filled with cots. What are the options in terms of places of shelter around New York City? You know, shelters vary. The system is broken into two parts, as it were, right? There are family shelters and then there are shelters for single adults. Uh, and on the single adult side, you have shelters for, for men and shelters for women, and then a handful of places that provide shelter for LGBTQIA plus individuals and have, have more mixed shelter sort of options so that there is inclusivity for everybody. Uh, on the family side, you're looking at temporary sort of, they're not apartments, but apartment style, you know, right, where you can be with your children. And uh, anyone going into shelter will go through in the family side will go through a 10 day placement before they actually acquire shelter. So it's it's a very disruptive experience. What we have found, for example, is that when families go into shelter, children are usually disrupted from school and from other activities. So it's not just that they're losing their home. They're losing access to their home community. They're losing access to their school, losing access to friends and maybe extended family. You know, all of the support mechanisms for the children. And so the experience is disruptive and it means that children fall behind in school. Yes. We, we know from the statistics that less than 50% of children who go into shelter will end up graduating high school. Now, why that matters is because what you're essentially saying there is that the experience of shelter will set a kid behind, right? And mm -hmm. put them on a fast track to the kind of poverty that might land them back in the shelter system as an adult with their own kids. So the experience of homelessness itself contributes to you know, what we term as intergenerational homelessness. That's why it's really important to disrupt it, you know? I mean, it's staggering the number of children that are impacted by homelessness in the city. How are those children able to be educated during remote learning? 
I mean, it's been a, it's been a huge challenge, right? Uh, it depends on the shelter. Some shelters do have Wi-Fi and have been able to provide supports. Um, there are, an, you know, an incredible number of skilled and dedicated and compassionate people who work within the shelter system and who work within the city, right? Uh, both in the the Department of Education and the Department of Social Services. So, you know, people have worked really sort of hard to make sure that children do have access. But the reality is that we have an infrastructure that doesn't work for everybody. And so in some shelters, Wi-Fi access has been spotty at best and children have fallen even further behind. Access to education was an issue before COVID. COVID has certainly exacerbated it. But look, at the end of the day, what is the best way to make sure that a kid has access to education? It's the foundational level of making sure that they have access to a safe, affordable home. That's the best way to keep a kid in school and to give them a chance to get out of poverty. Talk a little bit about the whole hotel issue that's been in New York City. There's been a lot of hotels that probably been empty during the pandemic that were used for shelter. But there were a lot of communities that were fighting, saying we don't want this in our neighborhood. What can you say about that or give potential insight on on that? You know, I mean, hotels have been used in various ways, you know, to provide shelter over the years. I think certainly what you've just mentioned is probably to the forefront of people's attention, shelters being used during the pandemic. So, you know, again, there's there's a life-saving issue here, right? So for some people to be moved out of shelter uh, and into hotels where they could be safeguarded against COVID, you know, was that a good protective measure? Yes, it was, and in all likelihood, one of the only measures available to the city at that time. The overall use of hotels to provide shelter, to provide housing, is of course inadequate. It's not the answer. The answer to homelessness is the provision of housing. And in fact, the answer to homelessness is to prevent it in the first place, right? So that that always stands. In terms of communities and community responses, you know, I think there are probably two pieces at work here. One, unfortunately, we tend to hear the voices of people who don't want a shelter or don't want hotels or don't, you know, don't want housing for, for low-income individuals. And those voices, although they are fewer in number, um, and we know this to be true from working with communities, um, they, they sometimes will be the loudest, you know, in terms of media coverage. The reality for us in terms of our work and in terms of being out in the community is that the vast majority of New Yorkers support an end to homelessness. They support the prevention of the issue and they support investments in affordable housing because most New Yorkers at the end of the day are compassionate individuals. They understand this issue and they are, you know, they do sort of vote with their pockets as it were. Right. So they are providing funding to all of the organizations that are providing services to individuals experiencing homelessness in New York. And I think that, you know, the volume of people providing donations from the $10 donor to the $100,000 donor level, you know, is real evidence that New Yorkers care about this issue. I mean, I think you've made it apparently clear that there needs to be more affordable housing. And there's a new administration in place. Obviously, we have uh, Mayor Eric Adams now in place. And I'm sure he's filling the Department of Homeless Services. I mean, what would you say to them in terms of what support is needed and or priorities should be in place? Yeah, we do have, you know, both a new state and the city administration, right? And um, and I think every time you have a new administration, there's always a chance to sort of come at the issue and come at the conversation with a fresh lens. I mean, there are many, many people, um, both in the previous administration and in the new administration, who have a lot of experience and who have spent 
their entire careers working on homelessness and, and related issues. Um, so we feel quite confident that people know what they're doing. They don't necessarily need advice, as it were. I think for us, the, the, the opportunity and where we would love to partner with the city and with the state is in broadening the lens, right? That for so long, the lens in New York has been about shelter provision and shelter capacity, um, which are important issues. Again, shelter has saved the lives of thousands of people. But if we want to end homelessness, we need to provide more support to the shelter system in terms of guaranteeing affordable housing and seeing city policy broaden, you know, so that policy is about investments in housing, making sure that the vouchers that families get you know, retain market value, that more vouchers are provided, right? That there are more supports for people who are at the brink of homelessness via rental assistance. And in fact, that we're working with the property owners. I mean, I think one of the key pieces that we do at the partnership is, you know, sort of getting away from this idea that the property owners are the villains and, and you know, the tenants are the, are the victims or, or the heroes. What we see in our work is that it, it is very much about bringing everyone to the table. Many of the property owners, particularly the small property owners, are themselves struggling right, with financial hardship. So making sure that housing policy is also taking care of their needs is the way to sort of get ourselves out of this problem because it is completely, it is completely preventable. You know? How can anyone listening help or you know, learn more about the partnership, whether they want to help financially or with their time or just get to learn a little bit more about your mission? We always do encourage anybody who's having any kind of housing issue, even if it's just a question, you know, to contact us. Like our email address is info at thepartnershipnyc.org. And, you know, anybody can contact us at that address. Um, or they can go onto the website, www.partnershipforthehomeless.org, and sort of see what the organization is all about. But we certainly encourage people to, to email us, regardless of the question that they have. Well, Anya, thank you so much for your time and really bringing more awareness to the homelessness issue and and really, you know, the wide range of people that are impacted by it. No, thank you for this time. I mean, we we always appreciate an opportunity to really sort of bring people on board to understand that this is a when we're talking about this issue, we're talking about children. And it's it's just I suppose it's incumbent on on all of us who have any kind of uh, positions of power or control to do as much as we possibly can to make sure that they have a safe place to, to sleep at night. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you again. Thank you. Have a good morning. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. <laughs>